You're a wizard, Harry. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and today we are discussing Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. Uh, We have Sammy back with us for this chapter. Hello! Um, So we are going to get right into it with the non-spoiler section, and this this was a big, big chapter. Huge. It establishes a lot moving forward. It establishes your Hogwarts family. Yeah. It's, uh, and Hermione kind of, uh, gives us at least our, I'm taking it as a podcast shout out here with her mention of the wonderful book, Hogwarts, a history. Hogwarts, a history. Yes, obviously, uh, no, no connection with our podcast title and, uh, that book at all. None. (laughs) <laughs> None whatsoever. Um, but anyway, shout out to that uh, that book mention. But anyway, um, one of the things that strikes me from this chapter uh, is McGonagall. Yes. And a, a specific quote that I pulled um, is, uh, and I'm quoting McGonagall directly here, Each house has its own noble history, and each has produced outstanding witches and wizards. End quote. So we've had some kind of house biases crop up now in the last couple of chapters. People saying, oh, this house is better than this house. And McGonagall, who's uh, the uh, one of the senior teachers, I'll go out on a limb and say at this point. For sure. And she's specifically stating, no, each house is important. Each house has a function. Each house has a noble respectful history, uh, whatever your uh, biases towards a certain house may be, they have good wizards, they have bad wizards, good witches, bad witches, etc. And they've had people come along from each one of them that have done wonderful things. Uh, so it's, it's a really, we've heard from students uh, you know, and, and Hagrid said, you know, there's no, been no uh, bad wizard that's ever not been in Slytherin or something like that, that I'm paraphrasing. So even Hagrid himself is kind of throwing some shade on Slytherin. But McGonagall's here and she states right off the bat to all of these first years who are impressionable. And she goes, no, they're all important. They're all a respectable house to be in. If you are in that house, contribute to it be productive and and make it better. And I think that's a great sentiment to send these first years into their sorting ceremony. Even if they're paying attention or they're too anxious to really let that sink in right now, which they probably all are, uh, especially with the rumor that there was a quote-unquote test that needed to take place. But um, I love the tone that was set by McGonagall right there. It's, it's It's a wonderful kind of stage that she set. Um, a stage that she set for the Sorting Hat to come out and perform, quite literally, with a wonderful, wonderful song. Um, 
And in the song, he basically sets up your houses, which I think is a great job from, from JK to basically lay out your Hogwarts houses and kind of what they're known for. Um, Sammy, I think you got that ready for us. Yes, I do. I have... You don't have to sing it. You don't have to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. No one wants that. (laughs) So this is a little bit into his beautiful song that he sings for, for us. But you have, You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry sets Gryffindor apart. You might belong to Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet, in wise old Ravenclaw, if you're ready mind, oh, sorry, if you're a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So that that bit that she just read is a bit that I'll go back to as I continue reading through the series as just a reminder of what these houses embody, what their principles are, and what the students or adults who have come from these houses kind of resemble in one form or another. Uh, It's a really kind of a a good thing to kind of go back to. So. Mark it in your own books and, and kind of revisit it is what my recommendation is. Um, it's incredibly important, even though it's in a couple of lines and it's, you know, in a song. So you think it might be like not as important, but um, it's it's a wonderful setup. Yes. You readers, whenever the sorting hat comes forward, make sure you pay attention because that is one wise hat. Yes, it is. It's a it's a very smart piece of headwear. Um, <laughs> so it's yeah, I, I love the song. I love what they kind of lay out there, and each house literally has its its selling points of why it's a house you should want to be in. Yes, and why those characters are or characteristics are characteristics that you might want. Obviously, they have the sorting ceremony take place. Which is not a test. It's just them putting the hat on and having the hat kind of interact with your inner thoughts and kind of pick out your characteristics, uh, who you basically are as a human being, uh, which is, you know, we talk about what magic is. I think this is a very rare, outstanding form of magic that it's a hat that has a little like sliver cut into like the bill of it that can talk, and that's a cool piece of magic, but it's sentient, to use a word I used a couple episodes ago. It's a sentient hat, basically, that can kind of communicate with you a little bit and read your heart and your mind and your soul and kind of peer in. That's awesome. Oh, for sure. Something I would have appreciated having as someone, what, around 11, I I would appreciate to know kind of where I was in the world before I even had to go into the world. It could also mess with you, though. That is true. Because if you come in with these set biases, and this hat is telling you, like, hey, you would do well here, and then you see it. You see uh, Harry himself go through and just be like, I can't be in Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. 
He's like, the Hess. Like, really? Like, you'd do well there. Okay, I guess we'll go Gryffindor. And then, you know, that's a choice, essentially, that Harry's making there. But um, it's... Those preconceived notions, let's say he gets put in Slytherin, and now he's got the idea that Slytherin is this house that only evil people come out of. Cannot build an evil person. Exactly. It would That would be the danger of those house biases, and now, okay, well, you're put in the, grave, the Gryffindor, and now you are only this. Or if you're put in Hufflepuff, you're only this. If you're putting Hufflepuff, uh, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in, in the spoiler section about the specific houses and their histories and stuff, but if you're putting Hufflepuff, that means you can't be brave. If that if you're put in Ravenclaw, you can't be cunning. If you're put in Slytherin, you can't be smart. That's not exactly what they're doing here, but you get caught up in these biases, which is really, really interesting. Yes. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I can go on about that. It's fascinating to me, but... Um, we get to meet some other characters, uh, who come in <laughs> through the wall, and, uh, we meet ghosts for the first time. Literally through the wall. I was trying to figure out what you meant by that, and then it, it clicked. They literally floated through the wall. They literally came through the wall. Yeah. Uh, and we're completely, uh, just not even considering the first years, and that some of them are not used to... Ghosts. Yeah. Just, just ghosts. And even if you around. are, it's still alarming to see well, a ghost fly through. Imagine <laughs> being a muggle or from a muggle family growing up and all you know about ghosts are these things that try to hurt you when you're home mm-hmm. at night. And then suddenly there's this ghost floating around, coming up, talking to you and making conversation and telling you about how he nearly lost his head. I mean... <laughs> That's unnerving, to say the least. Well, so, the one that nearly lost his head, literally nearly headless, uh, Nick, uh, Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington, it comes across as a very straightforward uh, ghost, I guess you could say, if there's such a thing. Straight shooter. Uh, except that uh, when pressed, he, he reveals that uh, the nearly headless bit, uh, which yes. then freaks, freaks some people out appropriately. I'm sure that happens every year, though. Oh, I'm sure, which is why he's very annoyed and tries to set a new precedent and it always fails. Um, but we meet two other main ghosts. Uh, we meet the Friar, who's a pretty jovial ghost for being a ghost. And then we also meet the Bloody Baron, uh, who I think embodies what we non-magic folk would think of as a ghost. Like yes. a very scary, intimidating Entity that you don't really want to interact with on a very common basis. Yes, and I think that is a little bit on the fitting side that it is a Slytherin ghost. Yeah, and, and yeah, so it's... And then the Friar is obviously uh, Hufflepuff. We don't meet the Ravenclaw ghost at this point. Not so, at this point. But uh, we do meet a poltergeist who's not a ghost. He's a poltergeist. There's a difference. The shenanigans just... He's like, if the twins were were of that entity, that, that would be... That would be that them. would be them. That would be them. It would definitely be them. Um, so yeah, we meet the some of the Hogwarts ghosts, um, which was just an interesting kind of introduction to all of them. 
And uh, and then something that just makes me laugh every time I, I read it is a few words from Dumbledore. <laughs> Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Yes. Those were the few words. And it's just such a sense of humor that some of the older uh, generations there at Hogwarts are used to and kind of, you know, laugh but shrug it off as like, oh, that's Dumbledore. And then I think... Harry... Harry makes... What does he say? He says, is he... Uh, is he mad? Is he mad or something like that? Percy's response, if I'm going to paraphrase it, is something along the lines of, mad, he's a genius. Also a bit mad. He's a bit crazy. But, you know, it's Dumbledore, so... Yes. <laughs> I love Percy's response to that question. The other thing that I take away from this, and uh, I've been lucky enough to visit the, the Harry Potter Studios in London where they film the movies and they have this cool thing at the beginning where you know they show uh Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, and Daniel Radcliffe in this little video and then they open the doors behind the video screen and it's the great hall that they filmed in and it's it's a wonderful sight to see but reading the description here in the book with the ceiling that reflects the sky Forget the candles floating in the air, which is cool enough. I mean, that's super cool, and it's a super awesome vibe. But the ceiling reflecting in the uh, reflecting the sky, I can't even imagine how awesome that would look. Like, if it's a clear night with all the stars, especially in uh, where they're at, it's such a remote location, it would be so amazing. And then if there's, you know, thunderstorms or something like that, or snowing, how cool that would be. It just fascinates me. Uh, the, the magic that's just in the Great Hall alone. It's just an awesome image in my head. And, and I love reading that description every time. Um, however, I do not love reading the school song every time. <laughs> because it's it's a weird song. It is quite odd. Do you have any snippets from that song that you, you want to... Other than it says, it starts out with what? Hogwarts, 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 Mighty Mighty Hogwarts. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy. Oh, Hoggy. That's right. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy, Wordy, Hogwarts. Mm. Teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could be filling with some interesting stuff. Now, for now, they're bare and full of air. Dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us something, or teach us things worth knowing. Bring back what we've forgot. Just do your best, we'll do the rest, and learn until our brains all rot. Can I ask something, just generally? Do you think that that song was written by I don't even know who, but... Do you think this referring to the so teach us Hogwarts Hogwarts Hoggy Warty Hogwarts? Do you think that's referring to the teaching staff at Hogwarts? Teach me something, please. Or do you think it's referring to the actual building itself? It, you know, it could go either way. I could see both. Because we've seen, you know, some bits of magic in this universe have like uh, an intangible boost to it of some sort and uh like the sorting hat for example for sure and it's just like man 
you know, are they, is it, I, I just read those lyrics to that song and I'm just like, I wonder if whoever intended that song or wrote that song literally meant let the school itself imbue some of its magical abilities on me to make me smarter, better, a smarter, better witcher wizard. I, I don't know. It's just something that struck me while reading that song on this read and I'm just like, huh, no wonder. Well, one thing I really think is interesting with this school song is Dumbledore says, everyone pick their favorite tune, and off we go. They sing this song, and it you as soon as you finish reading it, the song, it says, everybody finish the songs at different times. At last, only the Weasley twins were left singing along in a very slow funeral, funeral march. march. Yeah, that's great. But, I mean, there is... The comedy level is through the roof. Absolutely no rhyme or reason with how the song goes. There's no pattern. There's no tune. It's just And Dumbledore song. is not only okay with it. He says... He loves it. Ah, music. A magic beyond all we do here. That's a great quote, too. That's on it's, my quote board. It's a, really, it's a really good quote. Especially if you're a music major or someone... Who grew who loves up in music. music. Who yes. grew up in music. Absolutely. It's a great quote. Um, so I think we're going to end the spoiler section right there, or the non-spoiler section right there for a second, and then uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with spoilers. In the dungeon! In the dungeon! Hey, everyone. We are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. And again, this was kind of a loaded chapter, and we talked a lot about stuff in the non-spoiler section, but I figured I wanted to start the spoiler section with um, what houses we kind of identify with. Yeah, to me, this is probably my favorite part of the Harry Potter fandom. I love, I mean, I talked to a waiter tonight about what his favorite house is, so this is a topic I find quite fascinating and I'm very, very passionate about. Uh, I haven't uh, done one of the house quizzes in a minute, but I used to do the Pottermore quizzes uh, often BuzzFeed probably has a million or so of them. But you know what? The Pottermore one is by far my favorite. It's the most enjoyable quiz you can go through. I, I believe it's now the Wizarding World, if I'm not mistaken. Ah. Not Pottermore anymore. I think they re, like, redid the whole thing. But I, I it started as Pottermore. If yeah. you look up Pottermore, I'm sure you'll get there. Yeah, you'll get there. So, Sammy, which house do you identify with? I am a Hufflepuff. Very, very... Very excited and strong Hufflepuff. I mean, every quiz I have ever, 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 ever taken has said Hufflepuff. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that I am not a Hufflepuff. So what kind of makes you feel uh, that pride in that house? Is there anything specifically that you're like, Hufflepuffs are awesome because? Well, as I read earlier... Um, they are just and loyal. They're patient and unafraid of toil. So when you see your Hufflepuffs, they tend to be those loyal friends that try to stick around and sometimes care too much and wear their hearts on their sleeves and tries to help everyone they can. And to be honest, I mean, what better else is, is there in this world than a person who wants to be there for everyone else? That's true. I, I think it's, uh, and I think, this is what Hufflepuff essentially is, is it's an underrated house. Oh, Because for sure. those qualities tend to be underrated in people. Like, you you love it when it's there for you, but when it's not, like, 
right there helping you out, you tend to drift towards some of the other house's qualities because it's more advantageous more often, maybe. More exciting. But it, it often goes under the radar and unnoticed. Hard work generally goes unnoticed oh, all sure. the time. And they're taken advantage of, maybe. But um, this house is... There's a lot of positives to it, and and I'm a big Hufflepuff defender when I get uh, people kind of slandering the house quite a bit. I myself have always identified as a Ravenclaw. Uh, that's what I always used to test in uh, when I did those kinds of tests. But uh, um, <laughs> recently, I, I guess I've shifted more Hufflepuff more recently in my life. Um and part of that, I, I, I joke uh, somewhat because, you know, uh, Ravenclaw is, you know, the, the wise brains of the whole kind of house setup, right? That's their MO. That's that's what they're known for. Um, then I had a couple of concussions. So oh, my goodness gracious. Yes. My, my brain took a beating a little bit. And, uh, and now I identify more with Hufflepuff. So it's, eh, what, what does that really say? I, I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm proud to be from either. I love them both. Um, but uh, but I, I agree with you a lot about the, the awesomeness of the house and what those qualities stand for. I think they're important. J.K. herself said you should want to be in Hufflepuff. Yeah, she said that all people should strive to be a Hufflepuff. Yes. And uh, that's coming from the, the author herself. Uh, so I won't ever say anything bad about Hufflepuff, you know, and, uh, and people want to say, well, and maybe they have this bias because Hufflepuff isn't exactly, uh, intimidating name for a house. Although their mascot, their animal association is, the is a fighter. You do not want you to don't mess, with, mess the with the badger. So I, that's, which is interesting. You know, people don't even really acknowledge that at all. Well, I, I, what I find funny is I grew up, well, I not really grow up, but as I was reading these series, um, I was living in an apartment with three other girls. And ironically, each of us represented a different house. Um, and me being the Hufflepuff, I was very, very protective over my Ravenclaw and Gryffindor friends. So, um... The badger came out at one point when um, there were situations that made the other two feel uncomfortable. Um, and ultimately, that may have may or may not have been why she left. But that's, that's a story for another day. But your Hufflepuffs, those are your friends because they'll protect you till the end. They've got They're loyal. Back. They're fiercely loyal. Fiercely loyal. And it shows up in the books later. When it gets down to it, at the Battle of Hogwarts, who's staying and who's going? Your Gryffindors stay for the glory. Gryffindors were the first to stand up, yes. Who is number two? Your Hufflepuffs. Hufflepuffs. Why? Not for the glory, but because it is what is right. They are doing what is true and what is right. And they are loyal to their school and their friends. Uh, yeah, so I I will stand right there with you and say Hufflepuff is a more than worthy house, and you should be honored if you are designated to the clan of the yellow and black badgers. Yes. Well, what I think is interesting in this discussion as well is how you can represent different houses, though you are 
predominantly one house. So you sure. can have features from other houses. Yeah, it gets back to what we were talking about in kind of the non-spoilers of like, are you telling me that there are no brave Hufflepuffs? Oh, yeah. That's absurd. Are you telling me that there's no uh, kind of stab you in the back Gryffindors? Of course there are. Are, are there, you know, uh, maybe not the wisest of the wise Ravenclaws? Well, I mean, sure. you look at Luna Lovegood. Luna is, I mean, they call her Looney Lovegood. Yeah. I mean, to them, she's just this weird creature that just appears. When in reality, if I mean, as you get further in the series, there's a line that says, Come on, Father. Harry doesn't want to talk to us right now. No way, shape, or form did he verbally say that. But she picks up on those cues. She's wise and all-knowing, and she just knows this is a situation that Right. Here, it, it shows the sure. logic and re- reasoning and why she truly is a Ravenclaw. Yeah, she might not be the textbook what most people think of when they think of Ravenclaws, but she, I agree, she does have this uh, wisdom to her that comes through, and um, it, it's, she's a she's a phenomenal character. I can't oh. wait until we get to, to her in the series, but... Um, well, and I, I think part of your houses, what's important is I feel as you grow older, you develop stronger characteristics from different houses from your learned experiences. So there's actually a quiz out there somewhere where you can take it and find out what your secondary house is. Mm-hmm. Let's pause, readers, and guess what my secondary house is. My secondary house is actually Slytherin. And I attribute that to the way I have grown up in my profession. Uh, yes, I'm loving, caring, and loyal, and love and appreciate every single patient who comes in. But when you're working with middle schoolers and high schoolers, you kind of got to be a little bit cunning, a little bit manipulative to get them to do what you want. Like they come in and they tell you what you want, but you've got to make them think that what you want to do is what they want to do. So... I am, it, it's a learned skill for me. Um, not something that came natural, but it's something that definitely pops up throughout my life outside of work. Um, but it, it's, it's just a feature you, you grow up with. See, I've taken those secondary kind of quizzes, and my top two are obviously always Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, pretty predominantly. And Gryffindor is usually a close, close third. And then my fourth one, Slytherin, is usually so, so far down. It's usually in, like, the single percentiles. <laughs> uh, it's so far away. Um, but, yeah, no, it's those are some interesting quizzes to take a look at. Uh, you can probably find them on BuzzFeed, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I, I, I stand by the theory that the people who will rule the world, the partnership, is a Hufflepuff and a Slytherin. I think those two will. Really? Yeah. I mean, you've got your Hufflepuff to win everyone over. To get them on your side, but you got you got the cunning and the I mean just you've got the Slytherin back there that can say, hey, you should uh you should suggest this. Oh, you could suggest that. I mean, if we have uh, your Slytherin's not above manipulating a Hufflepuff. If we have any zoologists out there, I'm not sure a badger and a snake gets along real well. I mean, <laughs> animal wise, they don't. But we're talking about humans here. Come on. Uh, speaking of humans, great segue. Uh, speaking of some humans, <laughs> uh, we get some students that are mentioned here that are, I've, 
honestly rereading this and I've read this series so many times now, I have no idea who these people are. And, uh, you know, and I took notice of them now because I took notes and I was like, wow, I, I don't know who Mandy Brocklehurst is. Uh, I don't know who Morag McDougal is. Morag's a great planet in the MCU. That's awesome. But I don't know who that student is. Sally Ann Perks. I don't know. Moon. They don't even give a first name to. And Lisa Turpin. And what I notice is some of these students, not all, but some of them are Ravenclaws. Yes. And we don't really get a lot of, like, yeah, you mentioned Luna and you met, uh, and Cho becomes a, Cho Chang becomes yes. a big character. Um, and there's a couple that you know of. Well, uh, I mean, you even, you even look these up online and. There's not a whole lot there. It says who they're sorted into. I mean, I'm looking at Lisa Turnpen right now and it says. Was a witch attending Hogwarts in 1991. She's the same year as Harry Potter and was sorted into Ravenclaw House. Yeah, so... Lisa, everyone. Again, you know, we've, we've thrown out some Harry Potter trivia in some of the earlier chapters. Uh, these would be great for Harry Potter trivia because they, they show up very rarely. And uh, I dare say this is the only time you see uh, any of them. So, oh, yeah. Um, but it kind of fills out... Of the house, I guess, a little bit. But it's just kind of an interesting note that I took of, like, not just Mandy Brocklehurst, but there's, like, several here that I'm like, I, I don't remember a Sally Ann Perks anywhere. I don't I remember I feel like a, she was just having a good time coming up with these names. Maybe. Brocklehurst. Um, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But, again, the Sorting Hat knows all. Knows these students very well. And, and can sort them into their houses. Far better than we know them. That's for sure. Uh, but going back to kind of the, the Hogwarts song really quick and, uh, that inherent magic that might be, uh, they're hinting towards in that song of like, maybe the school itself is, uh, kind of a living form of magic where it can kind of, uh, dictate some things and the sorting hat might be part of that, be imbued with a certain level of magic. Oh, for sure. Um, and there there are other things throughout the series, like the room of requirement. Like, you have to be a specific kind of human in a specific kind of situation to be able to unlock that room. To oh, find it and sure. unlock it. For sure. Um, so that's another way of the school kind of uh, kind of helping you out a little bit. Well, and it's, it's the fifth book. They talk about the room of requirement showing up for Dumbledore's army. And I, I, I might be getting my movies and books confused, so please forgive me if that is the case. But someone says the line of, it's like the school wants us to fight back. Yeah. And you, you get that feeling while in the school is, maybe the school does, they ha it has its ways, it knows how it should be, and it wants to fight back. And you can even tie that in. They have giant knights that are infused in the walls, and you just think, oh, those are cool decorations. Until the seventh book, where they literally come alive and protect the school. Right. Yes, that's McGonagall's magic, but she says, I've always wanted to use this spell. Yeah. So does that mean anyone who comes to Hogwarts and learns, like, there's a spell to bring these things to life to protect the school. And she says, do your duty to your school. Yes. And, you know, and Dumbledore mentions, I think, somewhere in the books about how Hogwarts has many mysteries, some of which we'll never know in our lifetimes. Yes. It's it's a mystery. And that's Dumbledore saying that? 
And, you know, obviously the Twins have had the Marauders map for a little bit. Harry's had the Marauders map. And still it's Hogwarts is slowly revealing its secrets more and more. But it, I can, <laughs> I thought about this during our break, actually, after I'd mentioned the, the uh, song and the non-spoiler. But it's almost like uh, to compare it to another major franchise, uh, Star Wars and the Force. It's almost like this magic surrounding the castle kind of wills itself a little bit. Uh, to kind of what it needs, what its students need, what its teachers need. You know, there's been some hints that the school imbues some magic powers to its teachers, making them a little bit more wise in their subjects, helping them out a little bit, maybe, uh, making them more experts in their fields, um, which would be a really cool thing if that's true. Well, I, I halfway wonder if it can maybe extend their lives. I mean... How old is Dumbledore when he dies? You can't uh, tell me that that's a normal lifespan for a wizard. Yes, it's Dumbledore, the all-powerful man. He's well over 100. Yes. And, you, you know, that makes me wonder if maybe it extends their lives a little. I don't know. That might be a hot take, but I just thought of that. It's just interesting that I think... The magic, and, and maybe it's just, and maybe it's not even just Hogwarts magic. Maybe it's just magic in general is a little bit more like the Force, where it does kind of bend to wills of, you know, uh, light and dark. And we have those themes running through the series, obviously. And I don't know. It was just an interesting comparison that struck me literally as we were in break. So that's the fresh thought. So hit me up <laughs> next week when I can maybe formulate that thought a little bit more. Um, but... Um, Lastly, we have this uh, kind of interaction between Harry and some of the teachers. Um, just kind of looks and glances. And Quirrell is now wearing a turban, which he wasn't explicitly said to be wearing a turban earlier when they meet at um, the Leaky Cauldron. Does he just have a head covering on? I'm... I don't believe he had anything. If I remember correctly, I don't remember him having actually anything. I'm like a page and a half away from that. Spoiler, I only read chapter six and seven for this because I have a full-time job and it is fall and it is like my busy season. So She has read the series. I entirely. have read the series. If you didn't catch the first episode, I did it in about six weeks. There you go. So, uh, but Quirrell is wearing his turban and his back was facing Harry and, you know, Snape kind of looks over. And uh, Harry's scar uh, begins to prickle, which is, I believe, the first time it's happened, at least to this intensity. And uh, he places the blame on uh, Professor Snape and that, that stare that he gives him. Um, and there's a whole lot to that, that whole mini scene that only lasts very briefly. Because you have Snape looking at Harry, who is essentially... Uh, James Potter clone, except for his eyes, which are lilies, which Snape has an affinity for. Unless you watch the movies, then they're not. Spoiler. Daniel Radcliffe's uh, eyes are not uh, green. They're not green. Uh, but, um, so there's that interaction between Snape and Harry that Harry is completely unaware of, but oh, Snape is sure. very acutely aware of. And then there's a whole interaction of underneath that turban, uh, I, I believe we talked about it in um, one of the earlier chapters where we weren't sure when Voldemort actually, when Voldy decided to possess Quirrell. 
But in the earlier chapter, Quirrell's able to shake hands with Harry and be okay. And obviously we don't know that that's the case later in the book, because uh, contact with Harry does damage to Quirrell. But now he's got a turban on. Do we now believe that Quirrell has been possessed? Because at this point he's broken into Green Gods. We didn't even mention that. But there was a robbery of Green Gods. Oh, yes. I didn't even mention that. But there was a robbery of Green Gods. So obviously that has happened. Now... Quirrell's at uh, the dinner, wearing a turban, uh, with the back facing Harry, and Harry's scar begins to purple. So it, it's just an interesting confluence of events in a very miniature scene uh, that is loaded with meaning oh, down yeah. the line. And I think it sets up Harry's biases towards disliking Snape, Snape almost instantly. He just gets this bad uh, vibe yeah. right off the bat. Well, yeah. A hot take. I'm not the biggest Snape fan. I'm not... I I think the always thing is a little bit on the creepy side. I mean... It, I know that that's, a hot take. that's a hot take. I mean, I, I think lusting after someone your entire life to the point your Patronus changes to hers is <laughs> a little on the odd side, especially since you bully her child. Um, <laughs> personal opinion there. It's a whole other conversation. <laughs> a whole other conversation. I forget where I was going. Where, where was I going? You got sidetracked with Snape. Oh, I always get sidetracked with Snape. Uh, it was setting up Harry to have that dislike of yes. Snape from the beginning. And that 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 continues on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, she does well to establish that conflict. And it's subtle. It's so subtle it's in how so she does subtle. it. It's so subtle. I mean, it's less subtle as you move on literally to the next chapter of the Potion Master. But... Yeah. There, there's a, other. There's I'm a, sure there's you a, handle that the next episode of. There's a little misdirection there, there too of like Snape's the the, the, the bad evil guy. When he's not. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting, very subtle misdirection. But we're running long on the spoilers, so hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion uh, about Chapter Seven, uh, the Sorting Hat, and we will be back next week with Chapter Eight. So come. Join along, read with us, interact with us on our Twitter at Hogwarts a pod. You can uh, hit me up on my personal Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Allen 44 um, for Sammy uh, and me. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.